you know, if I would have applied myself, I could have gone to the NBA. You think so? Yeah, I think so. But it's just like, it's been done. You know, I didn't want to, <laughs> I was like, I don't want to be a follower. Hi, I'm Jason Concepcion. And I'm Shay Serrano. And we are back. We have a new podcast from Wondery. It's called Six Trophies. Woo! And it's the f- best. Each week, Shay Serrano and I are combing through all the NBA storylines, finding the best, most interesting, most compelling stories, and then handing out six pop culture themed trophies for six basketball related activities. Trophies like the Dominic Toretto, I live my life a quarter mile at a time trophy, which is given to someone who made a short-term decision with no regard for future consequence. Or the Christopher Nolan Tenet trophy, which is given to someone who did something that we didn't understand. Catalina wine mixer trophy. Ooh, the Lauren Hill, you might win some, but you just lost one trophy. And what's more, the NBA playoffs are here, so you want to make Six Trophies your go-to companion podcast through all the craziness. Follow Six Trophies on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. Listen ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. What these young bloods have to understand, that this game has always been and will always be about buckets. Just attack the basket. Welcome to Buckets, brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook. My name's Matt Moore. I'm the senior NBA writer for the Action Network, and this is your NBA playoffs first round game one best bets episode. We have an entire crew joining us today. We are getting best bets from all across our landscape of great contributors and betters, giving you the best bets for this weekend's games. Eight games on the slate. Four games a day. It's one of my favorite weekends of the year. The energy, the excitement. There's always a random upset that causes absolute mayhem. Going to be great to enjoy all this basketball. Joining me today to start us off by talking about the Sixers versus the Nets and the Warriors versus the Kings in game one. We've got Analytics Capper Albert Wynn. You can find him on Twitter at Analytics Capper. And Jay Money. Regular temperature Jay. Jay Money. Find him on Twitter at jmoneyismoney. We will break down the best bets for you. We will give you those bets later on the show. We've got Jill Gallant and Sean Little giving us picks on Knicks, Cavs, and Suns Clippers. Later on, Brandon Anderson and I will come back and we'll join you and we'll give you bet picks for Hawks, Celtics, Grizzlies, Lakers, and a little bit of hypothetical talk on the 1-8 since we don't know who they're going to be until Friday night. Uh, reminder, everything we talk about today can be found in the award-winning Action Network app. Best way for you to track your picks. You get up the second information on where the bets and money are coming in on. All right, Jay, Albert, <laughs> AC, Jay and AC, little heads up. I'm going to come back harder at you guys today. We got to make sure we get these picks right. You're going to be right because you're really good at this. And every time that I'm on the other side, I'm wrong. But I'm still going to come back at you. Uh, Jay, <laughs> let's start with you, my man. Regular temperature, Jay. What's your best bet for the game ones in these two series? Yeah, full disclosure, um, I don't make my my heavy bets. My strongest leans aren't on game ones. That's kind of like the fill it out game, but I will take the Sacramento Kings uh, minus one. Okay. AC, what do you like this weekend? Yep, I'm going to have action on both those games. Um, so I, I like the Nets plus eight and a half on the road against Philadelphia. And then I'm with, with Jay Money right now. I'm on the Kings. Uh, you can find them at pick them or minus one, but I think the Kings win. Okay, I'm on Warriors. Uh, I'm on the Warriors-Kings under. And I'm going to be, I have a lean with AC on Nets plus eight and a half, but I'm not going to bet it. We'll talk about why here in a second. Let's go ahead and get into this. 
Jay, I'll give you first crack at it. Why do you like the Kings in game one versus the Golden State Warriors? Yeah, it's a huge spot for the Sacramento Kings, right? Um, obviously, first uh, first home playoff game in a while, I believe, since like since the early 2000s. This one, I think that it's going to be rocking. I actually like the Kings early and often in this one. Now, obviously, they could be a little bit um, a little bit uptight, right, for um, not being used to being in this spot. But I think this is a huge game for them. You got to come out with the win if you want to have a chance in this series. You don't want to go down 0-1 to the Golden State Warriors. We know that they have struggled on the road. I do expect them to win one of these games. Um, so it's crazy because whatever happens in this one, the opposite, I will take the next game. But in this first game, I will take the Kings in this one uh, land the point. I believe De'Aaron Fox and Sabonis, um, they can get it going here. And it'll probably take a little time for the Warriors to figure out their matchup advantages as well. As the series goes, as it goes longer, that's probably the advantage for the Warriors. But early, um, I think the Kings have the home court advantage in this one. It's going to be rocking in there. I think they're going to light the beam here in game one. Give me the Kings. All right. AC, what's your take on why you like the, the Kings here? Yeah, I mean, if we're, if we're looking at both teams in a vacuum right now, uh, the Warriors are in better form because the Kings, they're 1-4 in, in the last five games. They're 1-6 against the spread at home in their last six games. Um, the Warriors, everybody talks about their struggles on the road, Matt. You and I kind of dive into this every single week. Um, but head-to-head, -head, they kind of dominate this matchup. They are 8-1 and one straight up in Sacramento against those same Kings. With all that being said, most of the books that you can go to, the Kings are favored. Um, I think it's a huge tell by the books here. The Kings have been the better team year uh, the entire year. We know that they have an elite offense. And with the Warriors, their offense is touch and go. And I think a lot of it's going to be dependent on their third quarter. I like the Kings. I'm surprised Jay didn't do his, his trifecta spot because I think the Kings come out and win first quarter, first half, and full game. Okay. I think you're both wrong. I think you're both wrong. I'll tell you why. Uh, I brought this up on our podcast today with Raheem Palmer. Jay, do you remember the 2014 Toronto Raptors first round series versus the Nets? Do you remember that series? I actually don't, to be honest. A lot so of that was the first time in like a long time that the Raptors had made the playoffs, right? They have this like amazing season after they trade Rudy Gay and it's Kyle and it's DeMar and it's all these guys and there's so much hype and they, they like they open the weekend. And there's the big panning shot of Jurassic Park. This is an incredible crowd. And like Masai's out there being like, fuck Brooklyn, all this stuff, right? Like it's crazy. That is a lot of pressure and nerves. That's a lot of pressure, especially for young, inexperienced teams that have not been in this spot. De'Aaron Fox has never played in a playoff game. Demonis Sabonis has played in playoff games. He has not played in a game one in a franchise spot like this versus the Warriors. Like Harrison Barnes has been there, but like Kevin Herter, Herter's got a playoff run in him. He knows about big games, but like that that's where we're talking. Harrison Barnes and Kevin Herter, all the other key players, Keegan Murray, rookie, Davion Mitchell, second year guy. This is an extremely high pressure spot for a King squad. You talked about like the adjustment. Teams do not adjust well to Golden State. Steve Kerr's record in these game ones is absolutely phenomenal for a reason. It takes a, a while for you to adjust a warrior style of play. Speed, movement, all these types of things. There is a tendency for teams in this kind of situation to get tight. If the Kings can't hit shots because they're tight, like there's no chance here. They're going to have to have, like the only way they're winning this game is with offense. 
They are 29th in defense at home. They are a worse home team than they are on the road. AC put in our chat. You like the Kings more here? Why? Yeah, I think so. I agree with you. Those are very justified arguments. I can argue the other side. The fact that they haven't been here before, the fact that they're not feeling the pressure. It's the defending champs. They had a bad season. They're supposed to go in and and dominate this team that's never been to the playoffs. And if you look at the Kings uh, individually, those guys are not scared. Like De'Aaron Fox is not going to be scared of the big moment. Malik Monk, who owns this team head-to-head, is not going to be scared of the big moment. Uh, Sabonis is going to dominate the glass. I think that the the swing player here is going to be the the Sabonis Draymond Green matchup. I know Green matches up very well against him, but if Sabonis is um, if he's if he's aggressive offensively, I think he's going to get Draymond into foul trouble. And with without Draymond, I think the Warriors are toast. And Matt, one more thing. You can't forget, Mike Brown came from the Warriors. It's not like they're just facing up against this team. It's like they don't know what's going to throw, what they're going to throw at them. Mike, I really think Mike Brown will have his team ready. If they want to have a shot at this series, you have to come out and punch the Warriors in the mouth early. And Andrew Wiggins as well, main player, key player, come back in there. He's going to mess up everything. He's going to be super rusty as well. Um, I'll be looking at the, I'll be looking at the Kings to early and often in this one. AC, I do like them uh, first it. quarter, first half as well. But full game, I don't think I don't see this as one where the Warriors come out in the third quarter i actually think the kings put their foot on their neck this could be a smack city spot for the kings then the warriors come back in game two man uh the, the warriors are not i feel like it like exactly what you're thinking that's what everybody's gonna think all the money's on the warriors here the line hadn't budged kings come out here and win game one in, in that's, emphatic that's first. not true though so this open kings minus one it, it flipped to warriors minus one and then it flipped back it moved the other way this open kings went to warriors on the early and then the public came in and the public's pushing Kings because the public's like, come on, the Warriors aren't that good. Look at them. Like, I'm going to be all smart here. And I'm like, mm, this is a matchup problem. This is not about like how good the Kings are. Like, I, I've agreed that like the, the Kings are underpriced in the market. The Warriors are overpriced as far as their overall series goes. It's just that when I get into the matchups, this does not look promising for them at all. Like AC mentioned, like the, the Demona Sabona stuff here. I, I really got to stress this. Sabonis in the regular season had a minus 17.3 net rating on court versus the Warriors. It's bad. Like I went back and watched all of the pick and rolls that involved uh, Sabonis in this series. It's not, it's not promising guys. It is. This is a tough one for them. Like they are the the Kings. Yeah. The Kings are not going to win because of their defense. No, that's for sure. I think the three of us can agree on that. I think it's going to be a run and shoot. I do agree with Matt, maybe game one, there's an under look there, but uh, maybe Jay can, can back me up on this from a betting principle, whether you take public, um, you know, sharp money out of the equation, when there's a money line flip, that to me is a huge sign in the market. And then when it flips back, that's even a bigger sign to me. So, like, I like the Kings a lot. I don't know if Smack City yet, but it's most likely going to be my strongest NBA play of the weekend. This is interesting. Man. So, in the market right now, you can t- track this on the app. You can get plus one and a half Warriors at a book, and you can get plus one Kings minus one fifteen at a book. Like, this is there. I'm waiting until the very end. I think the Kings money is going to continue to come in, and then I'm gonna I'm trying to get the best money possible on Warriors money line. Um. I also, I will say, I like the under uh, in this matchup as well. So the total here is uh, 238 and a half in the market. 
I've got this projected at 234 and a half. It's still sitting at 238 and a half. It hasn't moved. Um, I think the under here is a, is a pretty solid play. Uh, so Kings defense is bad at home, but the I, part of this is built off of the overall numbers for the Warriors and the Kings. I think the Warriors defense plays better here than it has on the road throughout the course of the regular season. Much of that's based. We talked about this on the series preview pod. You can go back and listen to it. That four-man lineup that's got Steph and Clay and Draymond and Looney before we even get to Wiggins, that's a 109 defensive rating on the road this season. Like, think about that. Like, they have this terrible road record, and yet those starters not only kill their minutes, but they also wind up putting up a, a sub-110 defensive rating. So I think the Warriors are are going I, – I genuinely think that this Kings offense is a regular season offense. I love it. It's a lot of fun. I love this Kings team. I'm not being, like, patronizing. I genuinely love it. Guys, this is such a step up. Like, this is such a step up with what you're going to be facing. You have to deal with not, you don't get like the soft, like, oh, yeah, they're running out Jordan Poole and Jonathan Kaminga and Moses Moody. No, no, no. no. You're not getting that. Like, you're going to be getting staggered Warriors rotations with multiple starters on the floor. This is a big challenge for them. So I don't mind the first half spot. I think there's a chance they get off to a pretty good spot and then Warriors wear them out by the end of the game. But I could also see it going the other way where it's like, they come out and that crowd, I just, I've seen this a lot where that crowd's supposed to be so amped and like, what a great opportunity, this huge home court advantage. And then like the other team, especially this Warriors team, it's like, oh no, it's 17 to four. And the air just, whoosh. Man, uh, in my opinion, I feel like the Warriors have to win with their depth. You don't want to, I think this Kings starters can outplay the Warriors starters. They're not, the, they're not the same team. Steph Curry is not playing the same. Clay Thompson can go off. Remember, Wiggins is not in full shape right now. He hasn't been with the team for a while. That's going to throw them off. They will win with Gary Payton, uh, Gary Payton, the second Kaminga minutes like that. J- uh, Jordan Poole as well. They, in my opinion, if the Warriors win this game one, it's going to be with their bench. You don't want to try to beat the Kings with their starters. They, they have the advantage when it comes up against the king's bench in my opinion so if they try to run a tight rotation seven guys leaving guys like uh kaminga on the bench that's where i feel like they actually have the advantage um i wouldn't be a bit surprised if the kings put the warriors out in the first round okay uh let's move over to sixers versus nets we'll see i don't feel good about going against the two of you i will say this right now it's not (laughs) like i'm like you're like oh i'll show these guys i'm like oh god i'm gonna lose this bet already uh let's go to sixers versus nets uh this series is just unfortunate for all involved except the Sixers um we talked a lot about it this is a, a pretty big mismatch however AC I can't get to this number like I'll start here I I just I can't get to this number uh total I think is pretty in line with what I'm expecting I think the total is right on this game but you know full season numbers the Sixers have actually underperformed a little bit at home this season relative to their overall performance. So they're better on the road in terms of net rating at eight and a half. Like I have this projected with uh, home court advantage at five. If I stabilize that to full, like a normal, a, a standard home court advantage, I've still only got this at minus 6.7. So between six and a half and seven, I can't get there to eight and a half. Um, I've, and that's like, I went through and did another downgrade on the Nets after the season because I was like, well, you know, I had them three points worse than they were, three and a half points worse than they were with Durant and, and Kyrie, which I think is accurate. Um, I kept that 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 downgrade standard. And then I was like, well, okay, they finished under 500 with a negative net rating. Let's drop them to four and a half. Like I did all of this and I, like, I, I still can't get to this number. It's a lot of points. 
I hate this matchup though, which is why this is a lean and not a bet for me. I just, I don't want to be on the other side of Embiid when he's facing this kind of a front line. Why do you like the Nets here? Yeah, if you look at if you look at the Sixers, their team is built for the playoffs, right? We know the playoffs; it's it's going to slow down. Possessions are going to be at its utmost importance. They're going to play a lot of pick and roll, and if you have the MVP at center, things are going to slow down even more, right? So this is a correlated bet. If I like the Nets, I also like the over because I think the only way the Nets are going to cover is they just get out on the break, shoot fifty threes, and just like you know, just just make it a, a playground type game. So with that being said, I think this is a great spot for Brooklyn to come out in game one. And I think even if they somehow shock the world and, and win here in game one, I still think the Sixers are going to have a gentleman sweep and win in five. Uh, but this is a good spot because they just played three days ago. Sixers beat them by like 30 points. I think a lot of the overinflated head-to-head stats are, are contingent on that. Um, again, it's really going to be based on if Brooklyn can impose the pace, if it's fast, I think they covered at eight and a half. Okay. Um, you know, the pace, I think honestly, that makes me more concerned because I'm like more possessions tends to lean to more opportunities for, for points, which tends to exaggerate the spread a little bit. Um, Jay, I know you don't have a best bet on this. Uh, you usually give us a, it's this or nothing for me. Do you have a, this or nothing for me on Sixers nuts game one? In the first game, I could only look towards the dog here. Um, I have a I have an angle that I've figured out over the past three years when a team has lost lost all four matchups. I believe they've lost all four matchups to the uh, Sixers this year. You want to take them in the game one of the playoff series. I did this with the Bulls last year um, versus the Milwaukee Bucks. I, I, I'm pretty sure, right, AC? They lost all four. Yeah, they lost all the four. Sixers. Philly covered yeah. three of the four. Exactly. So you want to you want to you you have to throw the kitchen sink in them in the first game. You have to do something different in what you did in those four games. So this is the Nets best opportunity to cover spread, in my opinion. Like I said, I did this last year with the Bulls. I believe they won outright versus the Milwaukee Bucks as well. Same type of number as well. So um, when like I said, when you lose all four matchups in that first game of the playoff season, that's a all or nothing. You want to show that you can at least hang with these guys. Uh, wouldn't be surprised if the Nets won. But yeah, I could not talk you off taking the points. It's Nets are nothing for me in this spot and i think that the sixers will some even though it is doc rivers i do think they'll get better as the series goes on <laughs> they'll figure out how to guard uh mikhail bridges and you could just look at mikhail bridges uh props as well for the nets if you like them he's gonna have to do well he has revenge he says that he was real depressed after the Sixers traded him on draft night as well. So that tells me that he's going to come to play in this series. And if he doesn't ball out, uh, they have zero chance. We know that Claxton cannot match up with Embiid. They don't really, I mean, they have, they run sharp, but I mean, come on now. They they don't really have a backup center there as well. They don't really have a ton of depth that they trust as well. So um, Sixers could impose their will, but I think Nets' best chance to steal the game is in game one. Doc. In game ones, 14 and 16, but as a favorite, he's 10 and nine against the spread. Um, I want to look at what the round is for this, because I think that that, I want to look at what first round is and whether he does well in that spot or not, because that feels like a relevant thing to consider here as like, does Doc do well in like the second round and on, or does he do it? He's better here. Okay, he's seven and five against the spread as a home favorite in game one. So I don't know what to do with that one. Um, I can't. I can't bet it. I feel like the Nets will have an opportunity here, but they're going to have to hit shots and they're going to have to get things to go their way. Like a lot. I feel like a lot of things have to go their way. 
for them to hang within the number and fewer things have to go the, the Sixers way. I don't want to lay it. I don't want to bet it. I'm going to stay away um, on that one. I'm going to just have a lean on that side. All right. Next up, we've got Joe Gallant and Sean Little. They're going to break down Suns Clippers. And on the other side of the bracket, they'll break down Knicks versus Cavs. That's up next. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. It's only a kick, a jump, a block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle, a run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. What's good, my people? Sean Little, MSG Network, with my guy of the Buckets Podcast. If you're following, you know we come with it all the time. Jill Gallant. Let's jump right into it. We're giving our best bets for Suns, Clippers, Cavs, Knicks. Jill, what are you looking at in the matchup? Yeah, for Cavs, Knicks, I'm immediately looking to the second-year player, Evan Mobley. I'm going to be taking over two-and-a-half blocks and steals, or they call it stocks. That's sitting around plus 160. And then for the Suns and Clippers, I'm actually going to be looking at Nicholas Patum, three-point prop, over one-and-a-half three-pointers at plus 105. My best bet, Suns, Clippers, over 226-and-a-half over at FanDuel. All right, Jill, I'm coming right back to you. Break down the props for me while you're looking at Evan Mobley. Yeah, so for Mobley, really the main reason we want to take a look at him in this spot here, especially because of the odds, is the matchup. He's done this now in three or four games versus the Knicks where he has combined to have three or more steals and blocks. And he's actually done it in seven of his last nine home games since the All-Star break. Now, I didn't count the last game of the year because let's be real, Sean, he only played 12 minutes it's pretty hard to get two blocks and two steals or get three of that in, in that quick a time. But really the main thing we want to look at is just recent play. Like since the all-star break, he's averaging over two blocks per game, just under one steal. And the reason why we want to look at Mobley instead of say like Jared Allen is with Allen, Mobley gets a little bit more room to roam, you know, and play passing lanes. It really helps his potential for steals. Another thing that's really good with Mobley because of that is He's able to go out and guard the perimeter. He actually finished the season, Sean, the most contested three-point shots in the NBA and fourth overall in contested shots per game. And the Knicks, say what you will, but they shoot a lot of three-pointers. They're top 10 in the NBA in three-point attempts, eighth overall, seventh since the All-Star break. And I think Julius Randle, who I project I think he's going to play, I think Randall's going to have difficulty getting lift on his jump shot, maybe even having to shoot more threes as a result. He could get blocked a few times, maybe even uh, give it up, and Mobley might get in there on the passing front in the lanes. So I think that helps Mobley on that front. Now, I will say for betters, if this is a little too risky for you, you could take the safer approach, look at over one and a half blocks at plus money, but I'm a risk taker. We're taking Evan Mobley over two and a half steals and blocks in game one versus the Knicks. You know what's interesting about Julius Randall is that when he gets in tough spots, 
he usually doesn't give the ball up regardless. When he catches it, he's either shooting the three, uncontested. Still, people don't respect his his range at the moment. He had a great ball. Uh, he had a great year shooting the three. But even yes, when he, he goes to the block and drives and gets caught, he doesn't typically give it up. He'll try the fadeaway. He'll try the fall away, and that does hopes. Yeah, a couple pumps. He always gets it up. Like the the difference between him and Brunson is Brunson will get in bad positions. He'll use his footwork. It's like, ah, I don't really like what I got here. And he'll give it up. Julius will still attempt to get up the jump shot. And that does open up some opportunity for Mobley to pick up a block. All right. Talk to me about our yeah, guy, at Nick Batoon. Last time I saw Nick Batoon played the Knicks, by the way, just, just to go back to that game. Yeah, yeah. He tied it up at the buzzer. And it was a thriller, and the the Clippers ended up getting the W, but it was a wild time. So, yeah, Nick Batoon, an interesting fellow. But, yeah, talk to me about over one and a half threes. Yeah, so normally I come on this show, I do three-point props. You want to look at some stars sometimes in this matchup, but the way that they have these lines set up for both Booker and Durant, they're all sitting at over two and a half or under two and a half. It, it just the odds just aren't there where you feel great about it just based on their uh, pace of play and the way that they shoot the ball. But Nicholas Batum is a guy we want to look at because that's all he does. Man, he has taken 381 shots this year, Sean. 317 of them from three point to put that in perspective that's 83 percent of any shots he takes comes from three point range so if you're betting on any prop for nicholas batum it's got to be a three-point prop and one of the things that's really helpful with him too he's actually been starting on the team with paul george out he's seen about a three to four minute bump in minutes per game in the 10 games since paul george got hurt now, the one th monkey wrench here is Marcus Morris uh, maybe coming back to the lineup, but I don't know if he's going to be able to be as effective for uh, as what Batum has been doing, especially because he's been fairly limited from a back injury. Now, for Batum, he actually averages, uh, because he's a little bit older as well, this is why I wanted to bring this up, 2.13 point makes per game on three or more days rest and he's shooting 42 percent from three points since the all-star break now immediately people will look at Batum and say well he hasn't really done very well against the Suns who really actually defend the three-point line at a top five level in the NBA but like I mentioned all he does is shoot threes he's not going to the rim to try to challenge DeAndre Ayton and Kevin Durant he's going to be shooting and Kevin Durant and Phoenix and no PG-13 I really project Batum to have to play a little bit more wing in this series to be able to match up and be able to switch um, as well in the 10 games uh, with without Paul George. Another thing that I'm going to be doing is looking at ladder opportunities because the two point is sitting uh, two three pointers is sitting at plus 105. But once we get into three or more, you're starting to get into the four plus 450 range. And because of that, in the 10 games that Paul George has missed with Batum playing, he has hit three or more in five of those games. So there's definitely potential for maybe just a little bit more uh, excess volume from three-point range. But let's be safe here. Let's take over one and a half three-pointers at plus 105. is also going to get open looks. He doesn't get a lot of contested. He's not catching out. He's not coming off pin downs. He's usually hanging out in the corner, receiving a dribble drive, and usually gets a good look. If I had to guess, Joe, Batoon has taken in the half court maybe 15 dribbles all season. You're you're so right. He's catching the ball. It's going up. That's what he does. He shoots threes. Well, when we play these three-point props, we always try to look at the ratios. Where are all these shots coming from? And a lot of guys, I feel pretty good when it's about 65 to 70%. It's very rare that you can get a guy where it's 80% and you're still getting plus money for a little bit of volume. So if he's he's going to probably take five three-point shots in this game just to be able to keep pace with this offense in game one. So over one and a half three-pointers, I'm shocked that it's still plus money. 
And I have something that correlates with you. We're going to talk about it. I'm going Suns Clippers over 226 and a half minus 110 over at FanDuel. Oh boy, do I like this spot. I'm going against the market here as well. Number opened at 229 and is now down to 226 and a half. I've seen it as low as 226 in some spots. So if you can get a 226 when you turn this Buckets podcast on, be my guest and take 226. Suns, 8-0 with Durant. We know that whole story. Offensive rating with Durant was number one in the NBA over those eight games at plus 120. Inflated, sure. They didn't play any real good teams in that stretch. But offensively, I still love their capabilities and what they're going to be able to do Mm -hmm. with Kevin Durant on the floor. He just opens everything up for Devin Booker, of course. And Devin has showed you how much he loves to play with Kevin Durant. He's been putting up almost 30 a game with Kevin on the floor. Don't underestimate what this does for DeAndre Ayton as well. He's going to get a lot of dump down balls on the block by himself because there's so much shooting around that starting five for Phoenix. He's going to be able to get a lot of uh, easy buckets as well. In those eight games, also with Kevin Durant on the floor, I got this from our guy, B.A. Brian Anderson. They gave up a 49% EFG percentage over that eight-game stretch. So that means, I mean, the other teams are playing with Durant on the floor during that stretch, and they were bad teams. The Nuggets came and played without anybody. They didn't even bring their roster. Those teams are shooting 49%. So I expect the the Suns offensively to produce points and the 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 defensive rating with Durant on the floor may be a little overblown. Now let's go over to the Clippers. You were just talking about Paul George hasn't played since March 21st. Now in those games, he missed nine games. In those games, guess what happened? The offense has been stellar and of course the the defense has dropped off with PG being one of the best wing defenders in the NBA. Offensively, 119.8 offensive rating. That's fourth best in the NBA over those final nine games. Now, we know the 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 closing to the NBA regular season can be full of nonsense. Nobody playing, not a lot of not a lot of a lot of people sitting, not a lot of good matchups, and numbers can't get inflated. But over that nine games, they played some really good defensive teams that were playing for something. They played the Pelicans 2x. We know they were battling to get in the play-in. They played the Grizzlies 2X. They played the Bulls, who were scrapping and clawing. They played the Lakers, who were scrapping and clawing. Those are all really good defensive teams. I think this is a a spot where offensively, they have been playing better against some of the top-tier defenses in the NBA. I don't see why that slows up uh, in the playoffs against the Suns to, to open up the series here. Kawhi Leonard, I think, is all the way back. I call him the boogeyman. I think he is <laughs> that lethal uh, across the board when he catches the ball on the wing, on the elbow. Uh, I He's back and ready to go. This is we, – we always have our concerns with Kawhi and if he's going to play, et cetera. But we're years removed from that, and I know with Paul George being out, he's going to step up. I'm not worried about Kawhi. And Russell Westbrook, man, averaging 21 points a game in April, he's been a massive impact for the Clippers. I know a lot of people were worried about that move. It's funny. Tons of people were worried about the Russell Westbrook move, and everybody loved the Kawhi move to Dallas. And <laughs> it, 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 it quite worked out the exact opposite way. So I like this spot to go over 226 and a half. It feels like a 120, 110, 112 type of game. Give me over 226 and a half. The Clippers have been playing well. We know what the Suns can do offensively. They're going to be at home. I think uh, the Clippers are getting a little disrespected here. I think they keep it competitive and it runs, it runs over 226 and a half. 
Well, the one thing I was going to mention to you, Sean, another reason why I'm surprised that this total is trending down, because historically, game one through game four over the last 10 years has actually trended towards the over uh, closer to 60 percent, where it's game five to game seven, you know, where it's it not crunch time. That's when the unders start trending like yeah. towards uh, low scoring games. So if you're going to be looking at overs, especially in a series like this, you want to be looking at the start of the series as opposed to the end. To recap. Jill's on Evan Mobley over two and a half stocks. That steals and blocks plus 160. Nicholas Batum over one and a half three pointers at plus 105. Two plus money plays there from G Dog. And I am going to go over 226 and a half in Suns Clippers. I'm going against the market. I think it comes in. Give me the over. And it's always fun to root for an over. Let's have fun and cash over 226 and a half Suns Clippers. That's going to do it for me and Jill Gallant for Jill. I am Sean Little. We'll see you next time. Okay, we're going to wrap up the game one previews for the weekend with the two sevens. We're going to talk about the Boston Celtics versus the Atlanta Hawks, as well as the Memphis Grizzlies taking on those Los Angeles Lakers. Joining me to talk about those, as well as some hypothetical one eights we'll have to talk about since we're recording this before the play-in tournament wraps up, is Brandon Anderson, NBA Futures Analyst. Brandon, we'll start here with the Hawks and the Celtics. You and I broke this down the other day on the pod uh, in terms of the series preview, which you can check out in the feed. But this game one spot is kind of interesting. Uh, don't Here's one of the things that is kind of annoying to me about this. I don't have, like, we don't have any data with Quinn Snyder with the Hawks. We don't have any data with Joe Missoula with the Celtics. I don't have any coaching experience here. I have like the history of the of the Celtics in terms of this core, which I think is like a little important, like not completely unimportant. Uh, round one, series one, like round one, game one, since the bubble, uh, the Hawks are two and one straight up, or I'm sorry, the Celtics, this is actually including the bubble. So bubble 2021 and 2022. So we got three years. Uh, Celtics in round one, game one, two and one straight up, one and two against the spread. That includes last year when they were four point favorites versus the Nets and the Nets covered because the, the Celtics had to win on that Tatum game winner. Um, they did cover and win versus the Sixers without Ben Simmons. I remember when Ben Simmons was a thing in 2020. So like that's like the limited amount of, of sample that we have. When we take a look at this game in the Action Network app, Celtics are nine, nine point favorites versus the Atlanta Hawks. Total 230 and a half. What's your best bet for Hawks Celtics? I'm going to go up prop on this one. For a lot of the reasons that you just said, I'm going to stay away from the side, the total. Of course, on buckets, we talked about it. I love Boston in the series. I, I think this is going to be a quick series for Boston. But give, let me do a prop here. And I'm going to keep it very low and simple, unlike myself here. But we talked about this one on buckets as well. Onyeko Okongwu, we talked about why we love him, why we think this is not a Capella series. Okongwu, 10 points, 5 rebounds. Do it as the same game parlay, 10 points, 5 boards, plus 165. So just points, the line is 8.5. If you look at Okongwu the last 15 games, he's been playing more. This to me is a Quinn Snyder change. We're slowly getting a little bit more Okongwu, but more importantly, He's really crashing the offensive glass. And that's the spot we saw Atlanta dominate, dominate against Miami in that play-in game. It's going to be harder. The Celtics are number one in defensive rebounding rate. But two games this year, two meaningful games against the Celtics, 
Okongwu had five offensive rebounds both of those games. So he's shown that he's very good at that skill. Last 15 games for Okongwu, he's averaging 12.9 points, seven and a half rebounds a game, almost half of those on the offensive class. So here's the numbers for this, this same game parlay. Again, 10 points, five rebounds. He's had at least five rebounds 16 games in a row. So that part of the leg is pretty soft here. He's had at least 10 points, 13 out of the last 15 games. He's hit 10 and five. He really, he's hit 10 and six. I just didn't see a six out there for this. He's hit 10 and six, 13 out of 15 games. We're getting a plus 165. I think this should be more like a minus 200. I played it once on a best bet that we wrote about. And of course he missed it by like one rebound that day on his lowest game in the last 15. But I'm going back to it. We don't think this is a Clint Capella series. I don't know that his athleticism is going to hold up. He only averaged under 20 minutes a game against the Celtics this year in the two meaningful games. So Okongwu, 10 points, five rebounds, get it done. So this is really interesting, and I want to kind of break this down. Do we think the better value is uh, is on Okongwu overs or Capella unders? I was leaning Capella unders, but as we kind of talked about it, as I heard was listening to you, maybe it's on Okongwu overs because even if Quinn doesn't get to, I can't play Capella in the series right away. Okongwu can be productive and we still cash even if yeah. it's in fewer minutes. Does that track? It tracks. And here's the thing. I started where you did with, okay, well, let's start by fading Capella a little bit. Here's the problem. I think the books got there first. Do you know what Capella's lines are right we now? We stop tipping these, these books off, Brandon. I know. We shouldn't have put this on our podcast a couple of days ago. Capella's points line, which is what I looked for first, because dude can rack up rebounds. Even if he plays a little less, he can just get those rebounds. And... He can miss those layups and then do the old Moses offensive rebound, offensive rebound, offensive rebound, like three and one possession. Uh, the rebounds line is 10 and a half, which is not super high, but Capella can put up huge games. His points total is 9.5. I saw that. I can't fade a 9.5. Yeah. I can't go under like he did. He went under it against the Celtics. If he's only playing 19 minutes, he can go under it. It's it's so low. So I think the Okong will over, I think they're onto the Capella line. So yeah, I, I went there. I wanted to go if I like same game parlay. Well, let me add in. If we're going a Kongwu over, 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 why don't we add in the Capella unders? I just think those lines are a little too sharp for me where the Kongwu stuff hasn't quite gone up enough where it should be. Okay. Points, rebounds. Oh, this is interesting. Okay. Points, rebounds is 21 and a half. Points, rebounds, assists is 21 and a half. <laughs> um, that sounds about right. This is Capella, right? Yeah, it's Capella. Yeah. So I guess we could like just stick with points, rebounds, assists because it gives you a little bit of a margin. Because like I think I want the Capella under still. I think I'm willing to go ahead and bet it. Um, I might SGP this with Okongu when his points, rebounds, assists gets added. They only got his points. They only got his individuals up. They're not doing the combos yet. So I think I might I might honestly put these together. So this is the question is, how quick is Quinn to adjust here? Yeah. Is Does Quinn... Is it so bad by the third quarter that he's like, okay, this is not going to be a Clint series. I'm just going to have to play on Yucca. Um, Or does he say like, I got to stick with him because my assumption had been with the Utah stuff when he was playing Rudy, that's a different dynamic where Rudy's a franchise player making a max and he's an all-star. When you mean something to the franchise at that level, there is a much harder time pulling off. Hey, I got to sit you. Versus we saw, like, I mentioned this the other day with Chris Finch, like Chris Finch has 
the authority to bench Rudy Gobert because Rudy Gobert is not like an integral part of the Timberwolves. He would have a harder time benching Anthony Edwards or Carl Anthony Towns in a matchup than he would Rudy Gobert. Clint's yeah. not in that spot. Like the future is on Yeko Okongwo. They tried to trade Capella last summer to the Wolves. If like if the Gobert deal doesn't go down, Capella is a wolf this season. Like that's a thing. I will go ahead and, and say that that's my belief based off of if whatever only. off the people I've talked to. Um, hey, still time, buddy. Might might work out this summer, honestly. <laughs> um, but the future is on Yeko Congo. Yeah. So, like, does Quinn go that route? Because one, if you have realistic expectations, and these teams do, they'll try and win every series. They'll try and make a miracle run. They're competitors. But like, if the front office is like, look, we're our long term plan is on Yeko, and they would have had to have talked about that with Quinn when they hired him. Then like that gives an authority to Snyder to be able to be like, I can play on Yeka here because it's essentially a tryout building momentum for next season. Now, this is like a complicated thing that we're talking about here, layers versus like the base stuff here. Um, this might just be as simple as even if Capella it does play, he might not be productive. The Celtics, we talked about this, have the best defensive rebound mark in the league. Like they battle for rebounds. They do not let you they you are not gonna beat the Celtics with hustle plays. It's not gonna happen. So um, I kind of still like the Capella under, but I do definitely agree with Brandon's assessment. Just to chime in quickly on that, my bet, the reason why my bet is specifically a Kongwu 10 points, five boards, is I actually, your assessment on how quickly will this thing happen that we're projecting, and you and I have talked about this a lot in buckets, we, we're not the coaches, right? We don't get to... We can make the mistake, both of us, of here's what I would do, here's what's going to happen, and those are not the same thing. My bet is very specifically, I don't think that's going to necessarily happen yet, and I still think Okongwu hits this in his usual 20 minutes off the bench anyway. Yeah. Like, fouls are not an issue because you're only playing 20 off the bench. Who cares? Go ahead and foul. Just keep on playing. We only got you for 20. He's hitting this even in the limited role. If I felt better about the, the switch coming, if I felt better about Maybe he plays 25 or 30. I would be doing escalator here. I'd be doing, okay, now give me a, a 12 and an eight. Give me a double-double. I'm not going to do that for game one. I'm taking, actually, I know this is a plus 165. I'm playing what I think is actually a very safe play in this one. I'm playing the safe route to kind of ease into this, and then I'll probably look to do it more aggressively if it goes well. Yeah, yeah. I think I'm going to go I'm gonna go ahead and bet the other way. Um, I feel confident enough in at least wagering on it. Like I said, I'll, I'll I'll go low on it because, yeah. Quite frankly, I need to. I will play yours heavier because you are a much much better prop better than me. Uh, so we'll go ahead and, and go that route. So, I think the other one I've kind of got like a little bit of interest in on a prop side. Let me talk about side total real quick. This is a, a big number. I have this at eight and a half. So I like I'm not that far off of the market here. The problem is that I don't know if the Hawks are going to try or not. Like, the the Hawks and Bulls both pulled off games where they finally tried. Welcome. Welcome, guys. Glad to see you. Glad you could join us. 83 games in. Uh, if the Hawks try and focus and play like they did versus Miami, the Celtics will win this game, but the Hawks will cover. That's like... and. To be perfectly honest, that like leads in leads a lot more into what like I kind of made the case for Atlanta a little bit in terms of the variance and in our pods, but that leads a lot more into the sweep value and Celtics minus two and a half for Brandon. Because if I'm sitting here saying the Hawks can try and it's not gonna matter, well, they're not <laughs> probably not gonna try all four games because it's the Hawks. 
So there's a little bit of value there, but um, I want to see what game one looks like. I'm anxious to bet all these games because it's so exciting. I can't find value on this game one line. Um, nine, it feels like a lot. My numbers are like, no, this this is about right. You're like, it's a little bit of a, of a bump there because the other problem is like, okay, well, what if the Hawks try? What if the Celtics try more? And the Celtics are theoretically <laughs> going to be maybe healthy. And that changes things a little bit. By the way, Jalen Brown, um, the, the vase man, the Vaz man, uh, no rap on him today at practice. So nice. something notable for his performance as well. Uh, the only other one that I've kind of got, I, I by the way, total. So I have two numbers for totals. I have one that basically accounts for random possessions that are outside the con. You can't really define them as half court or uh, transition. They're just like random broken plays, essentially. Um, I have one number for that. And then that case, I have an over. If you remove that, which I did mid-season and started to have even more success, I did real well on unders this season, but I did even better once I removed those to get a, a really strong sense of where the under spots are. When it's just half court and transition numbers, I get an under. So this number is smack in between two of my figures. I <laughs> Some teams I would be like, yeah, there's, this isn't going to be a random game. Again, it's the Hawks, so I really can't count on whether or not this is going to be a random possession game or not. So I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to stay away from a total um, here as well. And again, part of this is, is mitigated on the Hawks don't didn't defend all year and then they defended versus Miami, but Miami's offense is also trash. So the Celtics offense is not trash. I'm going to stay away from side total here is my big thing for you. I lean Hawks plus nine. If this gets to 10, I'm going to bet Hawks and hate myself for it. I lean under for a number of reasons. I think... Hawks defense I think probably Hawks team total is more specifically what I would want because I do think that the switching scheme of Boston is going to absolutely tear down them um the only other play that I've kind of wanted to look at as far as a prop goes is I want to talk about, about DeAndre Hunter who played really well like he plays better in games where the stakes matter more for whatever reason he kind of drifts throughout uh regular season versus the Celtics Hunter uh, averaged 14 points uh three rebounds and one assist so an 18 PRA, he averaged, shot 47% from the field, just 33% from three, but he did take five threes per game, which is kind of a high number. Uh, so that 14 point, 14 uh, roughly uh, PRA number, that goes against uh, a 18 and a half in the market for him. He probably plays more minutes. I kind of like the value on over to, for DeAndre Hunter. Do you have any thoughts on DeAndre Hunter and whether there's there's some value to be found there? Yeah, I, I have thoughts and my thoughts are going to be in the way of let me comment on Sadiq Bey and why I'm a little oh. concerned now about both thoughts that, that, that I'm about to share. So Sadiq Bey was the play that we made in the playing game and that one popped for us. We hit the over nine and a half by halftime. We hit the alternate over before the end of the third quarter. That line jumped now. So Sadiq Bey has gone from nine and a half to 11 and a half points. I still kind of like it, right? I still think there's some value there, just not near as much as there was before. He's averaged 14 points a game the last 10 before the finale. He's getting the threes up. He had 17 points in that Miami game. He got nine three-pointers up. So at 11 and a half, he's over this seven of the, out of those 10 games. And of course, against Miami. But why I mentioned that in response to your DeAndre Hunter bet is part of the reason I liked the Sadiq Bay play against Miami is that John Collins hadn't really been playing against Miami. And so that probably meant more minutes for Bay. But there are only so many minutes for these guys here. I don't know if I necessarily feel confident on is Collins going to play? Collins is really good. I don't know when they feel like playing him or which series. 
is is Bay or Hunter? Are they going to eat each other's minutes? Do they both get high minutes because we get less Collins or Collins at the five for a stretch? I don't know that I feel confident in that answer. So I I would probably play. I was going to say Sadiq Bay is over, but maybe like a half unit sort of thing rather than an aggressive multiple unit like last time. I don't mind the Hunter angle, but I don't think I'd play Hunter and Bay. Do you feel like there's enough minutes here that I'm I'm overthinking this and they can both be good players? I think Bay plays. I think he plays a lot off the bench. I think you need wings versus Boston. You need shooting. And I think Sadiq's, Sadiq's earned a lot, like some some respect from them as far as that goes. He's been good enough for them. Um, here, actually, I think is the number that we want. Points and rebounds only is 15 and a half. I think there's a pretty good, like, we talked about how Boston... Like they don't allow rebounds. I I get that. I I am conscious of that. However, he's going to play versus smaller lineups off the bench, right? Celtics get a little bit smaller when they go to bench bench lineups. Uh, so I think that there's a shot here for for Bay. Let's like ballpark it. Like if he can grab four boards. Okay, now we're down to eleven and a half on the points, right? Which is like what the projection is. If he has a five rebound game, we just need double digit scoring. That's pretty good. Yeah, I kind of like Sadiq Bay over 15 and a half on points rebounds. What do you think? Do you like that more than your Hunter? Or are you still sticking with Hunter ahead of it? I think it might stick with 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 Bay. I think I like my I might like Bay a little bit more than Hunter. Just it, it does make sense given this matchup, given Tatum Brown and the, the who the Boston Celtics are. It makes sense. Like we we could be coming back on both of these guys all series. So by the, by the way, if uh if I look at the rotations. And Marcus Smart gets staggered on the Sadiq Bay minutes. That's it. We're done. Like I'm out on Sadiq the rest of the series. Yeah. So. Well, this there's enough. There are enough dangerous spots coming from Boston. That's why I think we want to be careful with some of these getting in here. Uh, um, the only other thing I'll say on on side spread, I'm not playing a side or spread here, but the one that I might play live. I mentioned this on buckets. Atlanta since Quinn Snyder took over has been a really hot starting team. And we saw that the other night and I did not have the stat then. And I wish that I did. They came out hot in Miami, which granted there's only like four fans at the game when it starts, but that's not going to be the case here. Atlanta is plus 9.5 net rating first quarter under Quinn Snyder. So I will like Boston and I will not be afraid of, Oh no, it's the second quarter and the Hawks are ahead by six. What will the Boston Celtics ever do? Like, the Celtics are going to win the game. I'm not that worried about it. And Atlanta can blow a lead, whatever number it's at. I'm not going to be that thrown off by it. But okay. if, if Atlanta gets the quick lead or kind of cuts into the line, like when we get a Boston on minus five or under, of course, that means Atlanta's ahead by a bunch. But if we get down to that range, I think that's the one spot I'd play aside here. Uh, okay. So we'll just build the same game parlay. That's uh, Capella under and Okongwu over and uh Celtics minus four and a half alt line and the under at an alt line and <laughs> and Atlanta first quarter don't forget that Atlanta let's first just quarter. throw it all in <laughs> yeah and we'll throw it all that in uh one more I will say I will be, I'm gonna bet this like I'm gonna bet this right now and and there's a minus 110 in the market Trey Young points and rebounds uh over under 28 and a half Trey hates switches versus teams that are have, <laughs> have length it just Trey's really good when there's a reason that he beat the Sixers. If you play drop, Trey's amazing. Again, I don't know why the fuck Miami decided to play drop in that game. I'm still baffled. I'm like, you killed them last year by switching. What are you doing? And like, I see Bam out of bio retreating into the pain. I'm like, you're giving him the floater. It's literally the shot he wants. You're literally giving him the one shot he wants more than anything. 
Um, Celtics will not do that. Now, look, if Robert Williams plays, like this is a Missoula thing, right? If they're like, no, no, we need we need Williams for the rim protection and and the rebounding. If Robert Williams plays, they play drop with Rob. So like that'll be a concern for me based off of like the injury report and when that comes out. Like he's not on on any of these props. He's not announced in or out, right? Am I right on that? Uh, correct. Yeah. So like, there's been no injury report updated on on these games yet. They they don't have to file injury reports until 24 hours before. If Rob Williams is cleared, the value on this goes a little bit down. But I will still believe that the Celtics will switch everything and they'll play play Trey aggressively. Like playing Trey straight up is the is the way to go. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I was I was ready to to fade Trey into oblivion in this series. He actually had surprisingly good numbers against them in the regular season. So when I looked that up, I was like, oh, all right, he actually got points. He get a bunch of assists. Like the, the numbers weren't too bad. So I, I will probably sit out game one just to see. But it certainly seems like the angle that's happening. Like I, I think that we're headed toward a nightmare series for Trey here. Yeah, so that's my thing is I think, I think we're going to lose too much value after game one. That could be. I think we're going to get hit with like he, he drops to 26 and a half, 25 and a half after game one. Because, like, I have to look back and see what his Miami numbers were last year for what the props were. I was going to say, if we're right, that won't detract me at all. Like, he's going to be putting up, like, 18s and 20s and whatever. So, I I don't think that would push us too far back. But I I get the point. Okay. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Let's go to the other series in the two sevens, the Memphis Grizzlies and the Los Angeles Lakers. The fabulous Laker. I, I, I gotta say this. I'm a hater. Um, I'm sure Lawrence Tanner is a really nice guy. I hate him as a PA announcer. I really just, I hate the entire vibe of Lakers games. Um, you could say I'm a hater. That's fine. But like, I'm pretty generous. Ge- like I'm pretty generous with PA announcers. I think that there's a lot of good ones that are really good. I just, for some reason, Tanner, the whole like show it's, it seems like I'm going to a jazz show and I'm just not, it's not my vibe when we talk about these. I mean, I think that's what they're going for, right? Yeah. Yeah. A little bit. Uh, the line on Lakers Grizzlies, in, as far as where we're at uh, pre-flop before the series begins, this line has been pretty interesting to track. Uh, open three, it's now Grizzlies minus three and a half. Total is two twenty-nine. Brandon, what's your best bet for Grizzlies Lakers? I'm gonna take the Grizzlies. Give me the Grizzlies to cover and win the game. LeBron James. Notably good basketball player, LeBron James. We got a lot of data on playoff LeBron in road game ones for LeBron's career. Straight up, LeBron James is 3-14 and all time. LeBron does not win road game ones. He feels the defense out. He kind of just tries to figure the series out and starts to adjust and close in later. His points go down from about 29 a game the rest of the series to just over 25, that's significant. His assists have been going up in these games, so that's a, a possible prop way you can play this. That 3-14 and 14 record, the last 10 losses are all by 8 points or more as well. So these aren't even necessarily like, ah, oh, well, we've got a couple coin flips in there. Now, this doesn't mean LeBron's out and the Lakers are done and that's the end. 
despite three and 14 in road game ones and those same series, LeBron's team was nine and eight. They still won more than half of the series, but I like the Lakers for this series. I like LeBron to solve this. We talked about the Grizzlies being gimmicky and LeBron can figure this out, but early on Darvin Ham, I don't trust a lot yet. I don't know what the rotations look like. And I don't think that he does either. I don't know if this is a D'Lo spot. I don't know if he knows that. I don't know if I like that Hachimura played all the closing minutes down the stretch. Spoiler alert, I didn't. I did not like that. Thank you very much. So I think it's going to take some time for the Lakers to figure out the right rotations. I think they also need a little time to slow the pace down and learn that that's going to be the way to win this in half court. I think it's going to take some time. So give me the Grizzlies to win game one even though I'm going to like the Lakers for the series. Yeah. I'm going with you. I'm going, I'm going Grizzlies. Um, you know, my inclination was kind of the other side of this, which is like, I don't, I don't love, we talked about this in the series preview. I don't love Memphis in, in situations where there's a lot of emotion and hype. They, it gets to their heads and they get out of control. Um, I don't like the matchup because Xavier Tillman is going to get destroyed by Anthony Davis. Uh, I don't like the matchup with, the guards are fine. Like Dennis Schroeder will probably be a pest for Desmond whenever he's playing him or Tyus, but like Tyus and Ja are better than, and Desmond are, are all better than Schroeder and Austin Reeves and all these dudes. Um, whistle or not, like there's going to be a bad whistle, <laughs> but I think in general, I think here's the other thing. Uh, Grizzlies at home this season, 74, 51 and two, 59% against the spread. They've been great this season at home. Yeah. I was my inclination first was like I'll just play the money line, but then I was like, this is under the four, and if this is three, yeah, with under ten seconds to go, the Lakers are going to foul, and the Grizzlies are going to hit free throws and they're going to cover. So I'm going to go ahead and lay the three and a half. I'll probably do a half unit play on this because I am really worried about the matchup and I am really worried about the whistle. <laughs> but in general, um, your stat about about LeBron, you're right. He does. It's a feel out game. He always takes game one as like a okay, let's see what this is going to look like. And then he dissects it and he comes back. Uh, I think the spot here, Brandon, is Grizzlies game one, and then we hammer Lakers game two. Like, I think mm. that's our I think that's our move. Um, I'm going to hold you to this <laughs> because I feel very much like you're going to get shook if, when the Lakers lose. And be, I, I, I am. And, I absolutely like, am going to get shook, especially after watching the, the play in the other I day. I know. So need you, I need you. I need you to hold me to yeah. this because yeah. I'm on the Lakers. I'm on them for the series. But if I'm right about the things that we're saying we want to be right about, I absolutely am going to be totally shook off of this Lakers team. Yeah. Don't want to do that. Like we got, we got to stay the course and be like, <laughs> they're not as bad as they looked in the plan. And they're not as bad as they looked yeah. in game one. Game two is yeah. the spot. That's I, I think too, the, maybe I'm, I'm, I'm over conspiracy theorying this. The fouls thing is such a talking point going into the series. It's on every person's talking point. Cause it has to be, cause the Grizzlies foul a lot and the Lakers live at the line. And we just saw the huge foul thing down the stretch in the play-in game. Maybe we get a softer whistle, a kinder whistle in Memphis just to start the series, set the tone. See, look, look how fair the referees are being. Yay, Lakers. Yay, Grizzlies. Like, maybe we get a little bit of a softer whistle to start out before the Lakers really grind that. So I think that it's probably nothing, but certainly doesn't hurt our position here. I'll say, too, because I'm me, you thought about, well, maybe I should just play the money line and, and be safer here. Because I'm me, I thought... Maybe I should play a Grizzlies alternate. What about a Grizzlies by eight or 10? But part of that is not because I'm so confident in the Grizzlies. It's more the opposite. It's more, please don't let this be a close game. Holy cow, I do not want a close game. 
The Grizzlies are not good in the fourth quarter. They're bottom of five in net rating. The Lakers are third in fourth quarter net rating. We saw this happen uh, last year in the Memphis-Minnesota series. There were some troubles for both teams in the fourth quarter and blown leads. We saw this happen with the Lakers the other night. They came back late. I was ready to say, okay, I only want the Grizzlies if they win by a whole bunch of points, right? That's the only way I'm going to feel good. However, last 19 Lakers games, 19, that's a lot of games. They have one loss by more than seven points. Yeah. So I'm going to take the data that I have here and say, okay, I think the Grizzlies do lead by 10 or 12 or 14 or something. But then the fourth quarter thing still happens and we still win and we still cover the three and a half because the free throws and we sneak out. But maybe the Lakers make a bit of a push at the end because LeBron and it's going to happen. So I'll stay away from the alts and not get too aggressive here. It's a new Brandon. I'm trying to just just get us some money. Don't go crazy with the alts and the long lines. Let's just get some wins. Get things started out right. The first time you lose one of these, you're going to be right back to that didn't work. We're right back to taking the alts. Um, Of course. We got to get out of here, but real quick, uh, my favorite prop for this game is points, rebounds, Jared Vanderbilt over 10 and a half. Uh, his double double is 20 to one. I'm taking that too. Uh, no Brandon Clark, period, and dot. Jaron in foul trouble. They're going to have to switch a lot on LeBron. Jackson's going to be in foul trouble. Vando's going to eat in the series. I love Vando props. I'm going to take the 10 and a half and I'm going to take the double double 20 to one. Yeah, I like that. I don't know if I have a specific prop here. I mentioned the LeBron numbers. I, if we're going to do the LeBron angle, looking for like a points under assists over combo, uh, the assists have gone up for him in these game ones, 2016 forward. So I think part of the thing we're saying, I'm not saying LeBron is passive. LeBron should do more. Come on, LeBron, go. You take the shot. Don't just pass the ball away. Like we're done. We've done that a decade ago. I think LeBron knows I got a lot of new guys here. D'Lo and Austin Reeves and Jared Vanderbilt. Like we got dudes that need to learn how to live in the moment. So let me get my teammates going. That's a good team basketball move. So I think if you like that angle, you go assists over and you go uh, points under, or maybe that's a spot where you do like a double, double, get the assists in there, that sort of thing. So that would be a one prop angle, but mostly I think I'm just going to stick with the Grizzlies side and, and then reevaluate after a game. Okay. Before we get out of here real quickly, we do have to do this real quick. Uh, one eights. Okay. We don't yes. know who it's going to be. We don't know if it's going to be wolves or Pelicans. We don't know if it's going to be uh, bulls or heat. Are there any best bets that you're going to have on either of those series on the game ones? Is there any angle that you like? I will tell you that I'm probably going to like the spread versus Denver, regardless of who comes out of that one is going to be my lean. And then on the other side, I'm probably going to like the Bucks to cover what's going to be a huge number. Um, I don't think either of those teams are in their class. Denver is more matchup inconsistent. And I think that both the Wolves and the Thunder present some problems that will keep within the number. I like Denver to win, but I do think that, that uh, the West covers, the East does not. And just to be clear on these, uh, those are game one specific angles, not series of bet right. angles, correct? Right, right. Okay. So, yeah, I would say... I think Denver, my inclination at first is going to be to maybe look for an over in that game. I could see just a lot of points coming. We're going to get a a tired out team and a youngish team, whether it's the Timberwolves or the Thunder. So I don't want to look, I don't do a lot of totals, but that feels just like a, this gets away and and gets to a lot of points for both teams there. Um, Yeah. I don't know that I have an angle on, on the Eastern side, 
if it's the Bulls, I've watched the Bulls play the Bucks like a billion times, and this is not going to end well for me, noted Bulls fan. So I don't think I would want any part of a Bulls. I don't know what you'd have to set a Bulls plus something at for me to be like, well, okay, I suppose I'll I'll be in on that. If it's Miami, I'm going to be tempted because we've seen Miami push Milwaukee. We've seen Miami beat Milwaukee, but we've also seen them like completely lay an egg and, and roll over. So yeah, I, I will be watching to see, but the quick turnaround and a tired Miami team after a, a long week as well means I'm probably going to be stepping in gently on these series. So I may look at a Miami side cover. I think that's the only side uh, underdog that I'd consider, but mostly I'm probably going to be cautious on both of these games and then kind of reevaluate from there. I'm not really expecting either of these to be much of a series. Whoever comes out, whoever it is, and then the Bucks and the Nuggets are in a different class by multiple tiers, and we'll just eventually figure this out and take care of it. All right. If you've got plays on it, you can find them in the Action Network app. I want to thank everybody for joining us all throughout the week on these podcasts. We've still got more for you tomorrow. we got a Futures episode. Brandon's going to break it down with Joe Delera and Jim Turvey, as well as we're going to have best bats for the Friday games. You can check that out in the feed. My thanks to David Payne for putting together this very complicated episode. He's been great this week. We've done so much content. Shout out to David for putting in all that work. Thanks to all of our contributors on the Best Bets episode. We'll see you guys again next time. Till then, let's get buckets. Action Network reminds you, please gamble responsibly. If you or someone you care about has a gambling problem, help is available 24-7 at 1-800-GAMBLER.